Good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Maddie, and I get to be one of the pastors here at Epiphany Station. And before we dive into our brand new teaching series on the Bible that we're going to be running this summer, I just want to let you know of a few things going on this summer that are a great opportunity if you desire to partner with what God is doing at Epiphany Station. The first is that you might have noticed that we're newest fans of just black dirt, and we just like to smear that everywhere. So we've got some construction projects we're finishing out front, as well as a large project that we're working on upstairs. The upstairs project we're hoping to see finished by the end of the summer is actually for our brand new children's ministry space. The second thing that's kind of big going on this summer is that we're working on a a bigger impact than maybe we've ever made before during the Pennington County Parade and Fair. We're going to be working with several other churches and organizations to do something we've never even tried to do before, and more information is going to be coming out about that soon. Now, the reason I tell you these things and the reason I'm telling you them now is because summer is one of those times where it's a great opportunity for us to decide what we're going to do with our summer. And some of these things, honestly, they take a lot of input. They take a lot of resourcing. And if you are a part of Epiphany Station or you value what we do here, I want to ask you and challenge you to partner with us in what you see God doing. If you value how we're building the kingdom in Thief and around for you, your loved ones, and for outsiders... Then I want to ask you, if, you've not, if you're not volunteering, if you're not serving, or you're not giving financially to what's going on, if you would consider doing that, if you would pray about it, talk about it, whatever you need to do to feel confident and comfortable to do that, if you would, because it takes a lot of resources to get done what we're here to do. Now, giving an epiphany station is really simple. We don't pass a plate because we don't want people to feel uncomfortable about the idea of giving. Instead, we have uh, self-motivated giving ideas that we have these red boxes throughout the facility. You can drop anything in. We have a tablet as a card reader at the back of the corner of this room. And if you're watching at home online or maybe you're watching later in the week, you want to do that and contribute, you can go to epiphany station online, epiphanystation.com slash give and do that there. I want to thank you, those of you who do support and do get involved and do contribute to what we're doing, because we're continuing to see an amazing impact in our community. Now, like I said, we get to start a brand new teaching series that promises to be pretty epic this summer. We, over these summer months, are going to be looking at the Bible, because I think that the Bible, on one hand, is supposed to be, as Christians, the, the thing we take our foundation and our lead from, and on the other hand, it's maybe one of the most intimidating and confusing parts of being a follower of Jesus Christ. So as we seek to love God and love people better and better, we want to try and understand maybe what the Bible has to say on it. A quick summary of what the Bible is, in our estimation, our belief, is the Bible is what God is trying to tell you about you. The Bible is what God is trying to tell you about himself. It's what he's trying to tell you about the world that you live in. And if we don't know what it says, we can actually miss the very purpose of our existence and live something less. If we don't read it regularly, we can forget what we're here to do and why and who we are. And if we undervalue it, I believe we will misvalue everything else we come into contact with. So for 10 weeks, we're going to talk about some of the big things, maybe even some of the biggest sticking points you have when it comes to the Bible and what it says. We're going to talk about God's creation. We're going to talk about God and evil We're going to talk about God's people, God's wants, God's plans. We're going to talk about Jesus, why he was born, what he taught, why he died, what he did next, and what he is going to do in the future. And if any of that is speaking to a place where you feel like you want to understand more, that's why the series exists. 
Now, some of our teaching series will be based around a core text, a fundamental thing that we want to understand more of as we grow as a family of believers, as a community, and as a church. This series, where foundational text, the thing, the chunk of the Bible we're going to work on, is actually John 3.16. Because John 3.16 makes this bold claim. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. There's a lot in there. And if we just blankly skim over that, we can miss what is communicated in this, what has come to be known as really the the poster of what it means for God to show his love to us. So we're going to unpack this for 10 weeks by walking through the Bible and some of the most key features of God trying to tell you what you need to know about you. So what we're going to do is we're going to unpack this by starting at the beginning. Seems like a good enough place to start. And we're going to talk about creation. Now, creation is the idea that a creator created something creatively. And what the Bible tries to teach and and declare is that in the beginning, God did the creating. That in the beginning, Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth. And it doesn't go into any details. It doesn't try and explain how he did that. It doesn't give any addendums and caveats. It doesn't try and say, well, maybe he did and maybe he didn't. It said, this is what he did. Now, we could spend all of our time this morning arguing about whether he did or he didn't. And we could do that, but I think there's enough things that we don't know, aren't recorded, aren't provable and unprovable enough that that's not what we're going to spend our time on. I want you to give me 15 minutes, not to tell you if he did or did not create, but for me to tell you why he did. I believe that he did, and I want to tell you because I believe the Bible tries to tell us why he went to the lengths he did to create everything, because I believe that understanding why he did what he did actually helps us understand that he did. So we're going to walk through this and see the biblical standing on creation, and then at the end of it, quite frankly, you get to decide what you believe. So in the beginning, God creates pretty much everything. He creates the heavens and the earth. He creates water and land, sun, moon, stars. He creates fishes and birds, and he creates animals and vegetation. And then he does something weird. He does something monumentally weird in which he decides to do something out of nature of every other element of creation. If you want to track with me in your Bible, you can do on your phone or whatever. Otherwise, if you don't have a Bible on you, it's okay. The text is going to be on the screen behind me. We're going to be in Genesis 1 still. In verse 26, after he's created everything so far, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground apart from cats, because nobody rules over cats, they rule themselves. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground apart from the cats. And then God said, Look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds of the sky, the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that's what happened. And that is what happened. Then God saw everything that he created. He looked over it all and he thought, that is very, very good. Evening passed, morning came, 
marking the sixth day. Now, to me, there are two very distinct things, problematic things, but also, I think, profound things about the creation story that I don't think I gave full credit to when I first had it read to me. I think there's two things in this creation story that aren't really even about what God is doing and about who God is, but tell us a lot more about who we are and who he created us to be. Because this is just me, I don't think we were an afterthought. I don't think we were just added to the pot at the end. I think it was all done in purpose. In fact, we are the point. We are the focus of creation. Let me show you what I mean. In verse 26, God said, let us make human beings. That seems like a very intentional move to make. It's not like we just need to get this place filled up. You know, if we could just get a few billion people to ruin the creation, then that would be great. Let's roll the dice and see how they do. That's not what happened. What happened was, God creates everything. He sets the table, makes the bed, creates the house, and says, let's do it. Let's do the thing we're here to do. Let's make the greatest thing that will ever be created. Let's make human beings. Like everything was set up and everything was on purpose because it would appear to me everything he did make prior to us was for us. He creates land because some of us aren't good swimmers. He creates air because we need to breathe. The sun, because we need warmth. Water, because we have thirst. And food, because we have hunger. Everything was created so that he can then say, and it's yours. It's me giving it to you because I want you to have it. I want you to know how much I value you. So God says, let's make human beings. But let's not just make them. Let's make them in our image. To be like us. Regardless of what you believe about creation, Christianity, and, and, and God in the whole picture. If there's any validity to this whatsoever, like even a smidge, it changes everything. Like if this is legit at all, it means everything about your life is affected. Everything is changed because you were made to be his crowning achievement. You were made to do something that nothing else in creation could do. You were made to be like God. You were made to be the best ever thing. Like the last flourish of the artist on the canvas was, look at this, I'm going to create man. And well, man's all right, but put a woman with him, boom, perfection itself. And we were made to be different. And what differentiates us is that we can be like God. We can share an intimacy with his character and mirror him to one another and back to himself. The thing that differentiates you from everything else on the earth and everything else in creation is you have the capacity for unconditional love. Your love does not need to be based on circumstances. It can be something that you choose to do no matter what because God and we are the only things that can do that. We have the capacity to love God and love people like nothing else. So it would appear to me in the creation story what we learn not only about what God was doing but what it means to who we are is that we were made on purpose and that we were made to be loved and we're made to love. And I think that the rest of this, all of the rest of it, is just trying to point us to those three truths, to those three things that we would try and be drawn back to what God has tried to lay into the foundation of who we are. These big three, you were created on purpose, you were made to be loved, and you were made to love. That right there is a great starting point for everything you need to know about you. And it's in chapter one. 
Chapter one of the whole thing is pretty much what you need to know about you, him, and everybody else. It's the first thing. But I also believe it's the hardest thing. I think these three things and believing them is the biggest struggle that we ever have. Like these are the things that plague us in whether we can truly live like we believe them or not. These are the hardest things to grapple with whether you're churched or unchurched. The reason I believe that to be true is because I think these are the three things that we are lied to about more than anything else. We are told, you have been told you were not created on purpose. You have told you you're not created on purpose. You have been told and asked to believe that you are a formation and reformation of cells over a long period of time. You are a happy or unhappy accident of the universe. And so many of us, we choose not to believe that we were created on purpose. That there was no intelligent design put into you. We just got lucky. Many of you have been told or you have your own narrative that you are not loved. Many of you have been told by other human beings that you are not loved or lovable. You have made enough mistakes or enough screw-ups or enough damaged past that now you've decided that you are not inherently or intrinsically loved. Because you weren't made to be loved, right? And you have been told, and you think, a lot of us do, we were definitely not made to love. Like, we genuinely suck at loving people. We've screwed up enough relationships, we've made enough mistakes that we now think, and we're pretty sure that we will forever be a terrible friend, a terrible parent, a terrible spouse, a terrible human being. Because there's something wrong with me, because I wasn't made, obviously wasn't made to love. These are the great perversions of truth. These are the three things that you will wrestle with forever, for all of your days, as you are told that you are an unasked for freak of nature, that you are not loved for who you are, but you'll be loved maybe for what you can earn, and that you are not capable of being a loving individual. Now, I don't want to put anyone on blast or spotlight here, but if you just want to be honest, does anyone here struggle to believe any of those three things on the daily? that you were actually intentionally crafted, that you're not a mistake, that you're not a happenstance of a one-night stand or your parents' best laid plans, that you, in fact, were actually thought out and that you have been intentionally put into a value that you are loved because someone else decided that you were going to be loved or that you have the ability to share that same love with everyone you come into contact with. For all the hands raised and for all the ones that weren't, that's why the Bible was written that there, that belief that we have, that struggle that we have of believing what God is trying to communicate is why we have the Bible. It's why from the very start, he's tried to carve it into our identity that we're created and that love is our purpose. It's why when he created us, he then declared so much about us. It's why he's written so much about you and why he wrote the whole thing for you, made such a big deal about you to tell you the truth about you. Because the truth about you is... You are worth more than you believe you are worth. Whatever you think you're worth, as you sit here right now, you are worth more. And you are valued more than you can fathom. 
and you are loved more than you can entertain. And these three things are the things that God wanted you to start your life out with. That you would be able to stand on this foundation and then go and do what you are called to do. But for many of us, this is not the starting block. This is a stumbling block. We get to the beginning of creation. We don't believe in it. And therefore, we don't move past it. Instead, we turn around and go in the opposite direction. And so many of us spend the days, weeks, years, and decades of our lives chasing love, value, worth, and identity in all the places you will never attain it. And if we can't attain it, we'll numb to it. We chase, we get it wrong, and we miss the point. It's why so many people believe that their value is based on their waist size. It's why so many people believe that their value is to do with the shape of their face. Or that their value is their resume length. Or or the list of attained goals that they've achieved. You are not based on the value of your relationships. You are not based on your failures or successes. Your value is not found in the kids you do or do not have. In the money you do or do not have. The value that is placed on you was decided long before you got to decide. And long before anyone else got to decide for you. Because at creation, at that moment, God decided. God decided you were worth creation and it was worth him putting up with the crap that he knew that you were going to pull. Our course scripture shows us that not just in creation, but all throughout the history of mankind, God has been willing to show us, do everything for us to make sure we believe these three things about us. Now, 3.16, John 3.16, it's maybe something you've heard if you grew up church, you've maybe seen a bumper sticker, or you were a fan of the WWF in the late 90s. (laughs) Right? Right. John 3.16 is something that we can repeat and repeat and repeat and not believe. Because what it has to say about you is that you were worth the world. What God actually says in John 3.16 is there came a point and a moment in history when it had to be decided upon. Was mankind a failed experiment or was he going to do what was necessary to keep the loving connection? The answer was yes. So that you need not be separated from the truth. So that we could live eternally and perfectly with him. John 3.16 actually becomes one of the definitive descriptors of our belief and our faith. This is the truth God needs you to know. Not only were you worth creation, you were worth sacrifice. You were worth God's greatest treasure killed for you. And you were worth it because he decided you were worth it. All the lies in your life Seek to lure you into lowering your belief on how valuable you are. God seeks to put it back where it belongs and seeks to free you of the things that you've been chasing to earn it. Just to tell you, I've already decided how much I love you. You're not going to do anything else to change that. Every week at Epiphany Station, we have what we call a next step. It's It's a practical challenge to move us towards really at this point Deciding whether we believe this or not, whether we accept this or not, or how we're going to struggle with this or not. Your next step this week, it's a confusing one, I want you to read the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, it's where we have a stack on the welcome station for you just for being here as a free gift. I want you to read it, like genuinely read it. I actually want you to read it every day. 
And I want you to read Genesis 1 and John 3.16. Genesis 1 is pretty easy to find. Tough to lose that one. And John 3.16 is on your program that you handed as you walked in. And I want you to read them every day. And then I want you to let them ask you the question, do I believe this? Do I believe these three things that I was created on purpose, made to be loved, and made to love? Do I believe that God continued to show me his love for me that is written about in John 3, 16? Because these three core beliefs, these will define the rest of your life if you believe in them or don't. It's up to you. One way or the other, you will be defined by your answer to these beliefs. It won't tell you everything you need to know about God, but it will be the starting point of who then gets to tell you everything else. Because your creator, your father, your designer, and your God seeks nothing else other than to tell you what is true about you. And there are so many people who follow Jesus that don't know if they believe these things about themselves. There's so many people in your lives, in your home, loved ones, spouses, kids, parents, co-workers, that don't know what they think about these claims of creation. And you are gifted with the opportunity to answer for yourself do I want to believe this? And if I do, what will I do to make sure other people can hear about it? This is your next step. This is your next challenge. I'm going to call it step one of our series, is to answer the question of if these three things are true to you. As we wrap up the conversation, I'm going to invite the, the music team to come back up. They're going to give us a time to be able to worship in response or just take some time to reflect. Maybe this is a good time for you just to sit and be quiet. And ask the question, do I believe in these? Maybe it's a good time for you to stand and to respond and to sing out what you do believe and to declare it for other people. Maybe it's a good time that you think you want to talk to somebody about what is kind of blocking the path of you believing what God says about you. As the music team plays and after the worship experience too, our prayer team will be down front. They are here for that purpose, to pray with you, for you, to speak to you about what they believe to be true. If you're in that place that you need to talk to somebody, they would love to do nothing other than take that time with you. Next week, we're going to pick up the conversation talking about how it is that God and evil can exist together and why they do and how it impacts our daily lives. We get this opportunity over summer to see what the Bible says about you, and you get to decide if it's true. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you that you do not... Uh, seek to leave us in the dark. The, your, your instruction to us, your message to us, the Bible is not enigmatic. It's, it's not supposed to be confusing. It's supposed to be something we can pick up and take and we can actually see what you've said about us and about you and about the world. So I just ask you this very initial starting point that we would see this, this summer and these 10 weeks as an opportunity to see what our foundation truly rests on. If we believe in you or we just believe in something else. And if we believe in something else, if that's really what's best for us. So I ask you to not let us leave here and just put this conversation down. Don't let us go home and just get into something else. Let us see the value in picking this up daily and seeing what you have to say about us. We thank you that you love us so much and you've already shown it. We ask you to continue to show it. In Jesus' name.